there. Just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast or even watch it on YouTube. I would love to hear what you think. I would love to get any suggestions and understand what kind of content you're looking forward to hearing more about. So please rate, please comment, please subscribe. And if you leave a review for the podcast, you'll get a freebie for efficient goal setting. So make sure to do that. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hi there, just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast or even watch it on YouTube. I would love to hear what you think. I would love to get any suggestions and understand what kind of content you're looking forward to hearing more about. So please rate, please comment, please subscribe. And if you leave a review for the podcast, you'll get a freebie for efficient goal setting. So make sure to do that. Welcome to the podcast, She is Fab, where we discuss all things fab, women empowerment, and life coaching. My name is Evelyn, also known as the Fab Chief Desk, and I am a mindset transformation coach. Welcome to another episode of the She is Fab podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Holly Hughes. She is an author, an intuitive healer that infuses her unique personality, her style, her intuitive gifts, and personal healing stories in order to guide her clients through a step-by-step process where she helps them claim their voice, passions, and self-worth. Welcome, Holly. Thank you so much. I think I need to take that part of the recording and just slap it on my website. So it's your voice saying it. I like how you like, introduced me. That was really good. <laughs> oh, thanks for the compliment. <laughs> so Holly, tell us a little bit about you. What led you to this journey to now helping individuals claim their passions, their voice? I think, um, I've had a lot of lifetimes in this lifetime and it, in every age bracket, I've learned a little bit more. Um, and I've also learned the myth that, you know, when you're over 50, <laughs> you're not dead, right? So like you're still exactly who you are. Your body is just aged. And with knowing all of that, if I can help someone through some of the crazy, not crazy emotional stories and things that happen in my life, if I can help them navigate in a way that it's less painful or empowering at a much younger age, then like, I just feel like I have to. That's a great uh, statement because a lot of us, the way we learn, the way we grow is through those experiences, right? And obviously, if we knew what we know now in our youth, we could avoid a lot of pain along the way. So it's great that you're using your experience to impart on others information they could use to potentially prevent 
those mistakes or going through painful experiences. Yeah. It's about knowing you're not alone. Like when I was younger, I really didn't know how to ask for help. I thought I could handle it all on my own. My daughter is 13 next week. And she and I actually had a conversation the other day about, you know, whatever happens, let me know because I kept a secret from my mother when I was 15 and I kept it until I was 28. And if I had shared that secret, how different would my life have been? Now, my daughter is young and it's inappropriate to say that mommy was raped when she was 15, right? Mm -hmm. But I know that that's a possibility. And instead of being afraid and making my daughter fear the world, what I want her to know is that there's so much support and love. And no matter what happens, even whatever mistakes she might make or situations that are out of her control that she is in, it's not her fault and it's okay to ask for help. That is so important, especially, you know, in the family dynamic, you would think that because your family, you know, whether you're a mother, daughter, sister, what have you, that you can speak about trauma, you can speak about pain, and you can ask for help. But that's not always the case because of some misperception or feeling of disappointment, just any sort of judgment that you think will come as a consequence of you asking for help or sharing certain information. So it's so great that you are already instructing your daughter at a young age that you are there for her in all manner. Yeah, and here's hoping she has. <laughs> that's the part I don't have control over. And, you know, like I say it in my book and I say it a lot in when I'm in session with people, like I've been through some stuff, but it doesn't define me. It informs me. And mm-hmm. sure, there are periods in my life where I wasn't happy-go-lucky. I was a hot mess or overwhelmed and I have my highs and my lows and that's okay. Unfortunately, it's growing pains. We don't really mm-hmm. learn lessons or when everything's going well, we're kind of happy. But people plateau on happiness now, especially in this trauma-filled culture that we're in, right? Like, so how do you process joy and how do you hold on to it? And how do you move through stuff, difficult situations? It's Mm -hmm. a whole other balancing act. And I think it's those things that are defining people and that's how they're being defined now. And I don't think that's so great. Right. And to your point, you know, these experiences shouldn't be the defining factor of who you are. They are a part of you, something that you went through, whether it was, you know, positive or negative, but people do tend to focus and hold on to the negative and allow it to impact how they live, allow that trauma to continue to build, if you will, which in turn creates this cycle of negativity. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, and it is work to get over it or move through it, but it's like so liberating when it no longer fills you or you don't wake up with anxiety and then have to immediately control the anxiety before you go out and face the world. And then you have to plaster like a face on, right? Like, like those depression commercials where people are holding up little plaques. I think so many people move with a mask. There's a mask at work. There's a mask at home. Who do I need to be? Mm -hmm. How do I need to be? And on some level you have to be appropriate at work. I'm not saying, you know, show up in your favorite outfit is probably not as appropriate (laughs) for work, but you, there's a time and space for that, but you can still be who you are. And Mm -hmm. no matter where you are and when you are like that, what I always got, people came to me like who knew me when I was younger, who weren't always very nice to me. And they're like, you were so brave. I was like, what are you talking about? I was just me. They're like, no, but you were just you. Mm -hmm. And I was still afraid to be me. Yes. Well, I feel like being authentic and being true to who you are is, you know, bravery Because a lot of times, you know, we live our lives trying to fit into a mold or fit into an image or behave in a way that is acceptable to others, acceptable to the people in our environment, at work, you know, socially, all these different factors that, especially as women, you know, Mm -hmm. there's additional pressure there to fit a mold. So yes, it is brave to be authentically yourself and not worry about the external and, and that perception. Yeah. I have to say every time I'm not, whenever I try to meet a need because I think it's an opportunity and I'm like, okay, I'll just do that. I'll just do it. I can do it. I can do it. 
I can do it. Right. That's my attitude about everything. I get kind of crazy and I become a nut about it. Right. I'm like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to put so many hours into it. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to disappoint you. Right. Like I don't want to be a sucky (laughs) guest either, but like, like whatever the thing is, but if I'm not being me when I do it, I get so sick. Mm -hmm. I get really depressed. I get fidgety. And then like this whole cycle of being reminded of how judged you can be and how judged I was when I was younger and blah, blah, blah. It all comes Mm -hmm. up. And then like I do my best and then ultimately it doesn't feel good. Whereas if I did my best and still was me, no matter what the result, I'm still true to who I am. And that feels so good. It just does. Yes. I'm in agreement with you there about being yourself. I feel like it also takes so much more energy and effort to be something that you're not. And eventually it's going to come out. You're going to be unhappy. You're going to be stressed. It's going to show up in how you perform and how you interact with others. So it's just better to be yourself from the beginning. A hundred percent. So those of you that are watching, Holly has a really great energy. Like even when we first, uh, you know, met and, and introduced ourselves in preparation for this collaboration, I really loved her energy. So if you get a chance, go watch the uh, YouTube visual. You'll love what you see on screen. But you're so funny. You just said that. And my camera of you just went blank. Like you're just a box. <laughs> I get to see your face. This is terrible. Yeah, no worries. Sometimes with these uh, recordings, it may like uh, not show for you for a moment, but it's still there. It'll still be uh, available. This tiny black box with the microphone. Because you're so fun. You're so sassy. That's the whole thing. Like that, that, that <laughs> makes a conversation interesting. Like knowing that I love it. Look at passionate us. on the other side, right? Yeah. <laughs> Look at us throwing compliments at each other. See ladies, this is how it should be. Support each other, uplift each other. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. So I want to go back. You mentioned briefly that you, you know, experienced the rape at a young age. That mm-hmm. is, I could not even imagine, you know, having gone through that. I've had situations where it got close, but you know, things intervened. I protected myself and was able to escape. But when I hear of women who've gone through that, there are so many phases that they go through and some can escape it and and reframe it for the positives. Others get stuck in this negative loop. What was your experience? How did you escape being stuck in that negative void? I didn't even know I was raped. I was 15. Like I didn't understand that what happened to me was rape because there was no violence. It, there, mm-hmm. Like he, like I was held down and it all happened fast and I didn't know him. And like the, the situation was, I was a good girl, right? I was really smart when I was young. I was a good girl, had good grades, listened to my parents. My parents were gone for the day. And, um, my friend came over and she brought these boys, these older boys, and we had a pool table instead of a living room and we were playing pool. And first of all, like if my daughter let five strange boys into the house that she never knew, I mean, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what I would do. Right. But that's what I did. And, um, one of them went missing. I couldn't find him. He wasn't like in the room and I, that made me nervous. And so I went looking for him and he was I found him in my parents' bedroom. I was like, are you mm-hmm. stealing something? And like, it's very because I have disassociated, but it's very much the next thing I know he was kissing me. And I was like, oh, I must, I must look older than I'm 15. And cause he was like 20. Wow. And of, of course. I mean, obviously my gorgeous 15 year old face, like when you see myself at 15, I know what a baby I was, but like for me in the moment, I was like, um, what the hell? So the next thing I knew I was on the bed, I was staring at the wallpaper and he was having sex with me. And there's like a big gap of empty there. And then he got up. Mm-hmm. I feel like he thanked me and I looked down, there's a huge blood stain on the bed. And then I had to get the bedding. And when I walked out of my parents' bedroom, everyone downstairs applauded. Oh my gosh. So I figured out that my friend set me up, but she just thought it it was time for me not to be a virgin anymore. And I hadn't really done anything before that. Like, you know, like I didn't really mm-hmm. know Malina. I was like super innocent, super shy, 
But anyway, so the next thing that happened, and this is why I didn't believe it was rape until I was like deep in therapy was he went downstairs and I called him back upstairs and I made him have sex with me in my room. And it was me wow. trying to take control over the situation. And then he's like, I can't believe that was your first. Mm -hmm. And that's all I remember of the day. I think they left after that. It was really fucked up. I bled mm -hmm. for a week. It was like, not like, I don't, I don't know how, like when other girls break their hymen or lose their virginity, like how long they bleed for. So like, so I don't know, like, I'm so disassociated from it. Like, it, like I live it and then it goes away is like, so what were all the details? I didn't really mm -hmm. understand what happened or how all it happened. And then when I was 28 and I was in therapy, I, I danced around it like for a long time. And I put myself and dated people where I was recreating the trauma where sex was never about pleasure. It was about me being in control or me having the power in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And my therapist looked at me, she's like, Holly, you were raped. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I didn't even believe her. I think she said mm -hmm. it for like a month. Like she just like every week she's like, that is rape. That is rape. And then when I realized it was, I just was devastated. And I was married to a really shitty person then. And I went home and I told him that I understood now that my first encounter was, you know, violence. And that fucker went out and the next day I came home and he brought me really trashy lingerie. Wow. Yeah. So that marriage was not good, obviously. Mm -hmm. So like that, like I just kept being around damaged people and having very not healthy relationships. I am really lucky that after that happened, I dated my high school sweetheart and we dated for over a year. So my experience of sex became very teenage fun, whatever. And it really wasn't, it wasn't bad with him. Right. So like I have an attitude about younger people. Like if you want to experience intimacy and whatever, be with someone who's on your level. Like I know a lot of girls, I used to see this in college who saved their virginity until they went to college. Cause now they're in college and they know better. But they, they just mm -hmm. had sex with the first random dude the first time they got drunk, right, in college. Mm -hmm. And that is pretty awful, I think, as well. Like, it's about valuing yourself. And it's okay to be curious. And it's okay to want to know more. But it took me really getting into therapy before um, I could, like, have a different experience of sex. Like, sometimes it was pleasurable. But for a lot of time, when I was younger... And I dated and it when it became sexual, I would have to stop it because I couldn't emotionally handle what my body was doing. Mm -hmm. And that took the longest time to get into some sort of balance. Wow. Well, I just want to thank you for being brave and sharing your story. You, you didn't have to, you could have kept Thanks. that, you know, and, and moved on, but I appreciate you sharing your experience and, and, your thought process and the work that you've done with your therapist to actually acknowledge that that was a situation where you were raped. And you mentioned that you didn't know it was rape because of what happened afterwards. You essentially, you know, had a second round, so to speak, because you wanted to control the situation. Yeah. I want to let people out there know that women whether you know you're younger or older, when you're in a situation like that where you're not in control, where you're not really sure what's happening, a couple of things do happen. You disassociate. Mm -hmm. You have an outer body experience where you just that's not happening to you. And a part of you shuts down and compartmentalizes that so that it's as if it's not happening to you. And so in your case, Holly, and other cases that I've seen, you don't perceive the situation as rape. Because you've essentially locked it in a little box, put it somewhere far, far deep in the recesses of your of your consciousness, and you don't acknowledge it. And the folks that don't work through that are the ones that suffer the most, that have that 100%. long lifeline impact. Yeah, I think um, I think is like sex can be shameful or it could be confusing. It's like there's so many things about being sexual right? That is still kind of de developing in the world right now. Like, what are we? Mm -hmm. Who are we? There's a bajillion labels and I have mixed feelings about that. 
Like, I think it's really good to know who you are and identify, but it's like, sometimes if you micro identify, you don't give any space for growth or gravitas or learning or being, or like, get over it. Just be you. Mm -hmm. How about a you, a big you? Um, Mm -hmm. that's my perspective. Um, for, (laughs) it really did. It took work with my therapist, but the minute I actually accepted it was raped, like so much made sense to me. So I've always Mm -hmm. been a writer. I have all these journals and I actually wrote a poem about it, but I'm really too lazy to get up about it and read it. But it's just, (laughs) it really describes my experience of it was, um, my disassociation, because I described the wallpaper, mm-hmm. right? Like the fern blue wallpaper in my parents' bedroom and the faces I saw in it. Mm-hmm. That makes me cry. Like remembering that. Aww. Sad. But I was just yes. like a little girl. Yeah. So like I want girls to be able to be young, And like, like the world, they have so much access. My daughter Mm -hmm. is young and she speaks these things, but I know she can't fully understand it. It's okay to slow down. It's always okay to go slow. It's if you, like one of the things I'm teaching her is if your body and your mind aren't like in sync and it's confusing, it, that's a great place to stop. Yes. Right. That's great advice. Give yourself permission for that to get into alignment and maybe it's because of the person and maybe because it's, you're not ready and you don't owe anyone and all of those things. And a really good guy wants like, of course he'll be frustrated. Who cares? But Mm -hmm. a really good guy will care. He'll care. Yes. And he's also, you know, maturity level like goes up and down, but you know, whatever. But in general, you know, someone who cares about you doesn't want to hurt you pretty fundamental. Exactly. That's the key word. Anyone who's selfish, um, who claims they love you, but is pressuring you to do something doesn't actually love you. Doesn't actually care because they're in it for their own interest. And as women, unfortunately, regardless of what age, you know, um, there are things that we need to be concerned with. We going out the door to our cars, you know, commuting from point A to point B even going out at night, like men don't have to worry about, am I going to attract the wrong kind of attention? Is somebody mm. going to try to intention- intentionally harm at me? You know, you always have to be aware and protective of yourself. And, and that's that state, that constant state of, of awareness and, and perceiving physical threat is so tiring for women. And it's worse so because we don't have the support that we need. There's still a lot of people out there who think that when a woman is in a situation, it's because she herself caused it. Yeah. There is a lot of that. Yeah. Situational awareness is really important. Yes. So I got, I I got really healed. One time I was leaving yoga when I was leaving in LA and someone like leaned in to show me their phone. Like, I think they, like, I didn't know what they were looking. So I just leaned over and he like, he just grabbed my ass. Honestly, he like brushed up against me. I made so much noise. I scared the shit out of him. I was like, get your fucking hands up, get in that. And he was like, whoa. Like, I think he was like a creeper. Right. And I like, mm-hmm. he, he didn't follow me to my car. And I called the yoga studio. They're like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I was like, it's the parking garage to your studio. You should tell people that there's a dude yeah. in there doing that. So, but like, I was like, ah, I came home and I was with, I'm with my husband, new one, same one though. And he was like, where is he? I'm going to kick his ass. I was like, yes, kick his ass. <laughs> Which he put in. Cause you know, we live 25 minutes away from it, but like, you know, it was, that is his protectiveness of me is one of the qualities that I definitely like, right. You know, like I like yeah. that, that exists. So, um, yeah, but like once you own what happened, you don't really tolerate it happening. You freeze, like there's still not, you know, times where I probably freeze, but it is that diso- mm-hmm. disassociation. It just happens. And that was, I think that, that was where I was ha- the hardest on myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Like what, what else did you do? Why couldn't you do? Cause you're not rational and you're a kid. Yeah. End of story. People, like that's just it. 
Like yeah. you said, kids nowadays, they, they have access to so much information. They know so much more. They even look older because, you know, they're applying what they see on social media, mm-hmm. right? The makeup and, and the styling. Um, so there's that perception too, that maybe you're looking at a, at a girl who could be 12 or 13 and you may think she's older because of how she's dressed or, or the makeup. Mm-hmm. But these, these are kids. And yeah. obviously the only way we can protect them, we're not with them all the time. Right. So it's just informing them, making sure that they know that you are available to communicate on anything, regardless of judgment. I think the reason why I escaped many of my situations is because my mother from a very young age was so open with me, you know, about sex, about how men do things. You know, I saw trauma that she herself experienced growing up and being in the midst of that environment. So that helped me to navigate a little bit better. But I know not every parent is as open with their kids. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Or even like my my daughter is again, almost 13, but she physically looks 16 Mm. at least. And I'm just like, "Mm." so we have to have conversations about that, but you know, one at a time, I think if you're having conversations with people, you have to know where they're at and speak Mm -hmm. appropriately. I was one person I met in the past said, have the conversation two years before you think you should. Because they were already mm-hmm. learning about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's keynote for me for when uh, that time comes. My kids right now are fur babies. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, my fur baby just landed in my lap. I was like, I'm like, all right, nice. I guess you felt me being sad, right? He's like, oh, no, mommy, don't Aww. be sad. Isn't that amazing how intuitive they are? Like when, when they see that you're feeling some kind of way, they, they know to come over and like snuggle up against yeah. you. It's the best. I love that. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, some of your background. We talked about, you know, the situation that sort of impacted you for a couple of years. You did your therapy. You were finally able to share that with your family. I see this, uh, this background here for your book called Real Not Perfect. Yeah. So let's talk about that because I'm sure that also discloses some of those experiences that you've had. Yeah, it's real, not perfect, how to become your happy, authentic self. And it really is about a healing journey to define you on your own terms. So it is almost like a healing session in a book. Actually, I got comments from a few people. They're like, that was intense. And I was like, yeah, well, go slower. <laughs> like, go slower. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's a book that is a manageable size. There's space in it to do the homework. I have, um, Holly's healing tips and Holly's healing homework in it, but really it is a journey of what words do you use to define yourself? Mm-hmm. Really? Are they good words? Or are they bad words? Are you not thin enough? Do you not weigh enough? Are you not this enough or that enough? All right, kitten, hold on. Say hi. And then say goodbye. Hi, Katie. Uh, and then <laughs> are you who your family wants you to be? Are you who you think Instagram needs you to be? And then what words do you want to define yourself with? And what's holding you back? What is the family pathology? What do your friends say about you? Do you Are you a, a people pleaser? How do you say no mm-hmm. and mean it? And then deal with the anxiety that comes up when you say no. And what is a boundary, right? It's energetic field. It is not a fuck you. It's just not. Mm -hmm. It's just like you respect you and people who respect you will realize that that's a no because you know your limit. And some days you'll do things for your friends because they really need you. But you'll also respect the days that you just need to like be watching the K dramas like this woman does and sitting on her sofa and relaxing. Like you, there has to be some sort of balance. Although I'm really starting to get away from that word. I haven't found a better word. I think a new routine, right? Like mm-hmm. summer dancer, I'm like a five, six, seven, eight. Like we just need some days we're quicker, <laughs> some days we're not like, you know, what, what is it? Cause I think balance makes us think that we can manage it all, all the time. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't think we can. And that's where the word help comes in. So after mm-hmm. you define yourself and figure out who you are and how to do that, what is self-care? Like self-care 101 to me is like the baths and like salt baths. I'm a big fan of those. And, you know, mm-hmm. doing the, all of those things 
to soothe yourself, exercise. But what self-care is to me is what feeds your soul. What makes you forget about space and time? What makes you smile and laugh a lot? What, what makes you mm-hmm. fill with joy and get like, ah, energized, like, brr. Like dancing, always dancing for me, dancing, 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 yes. dancing, and then dancing more. Like during the pandemic, like a couple of months ago, I got myself some tap shoes and put a piece of mm-hmm. wood out in the garage and I'm making my family crazy because I'm trying to relearn how to tap. My left foot's a little lazy and it's pissing me <laughs> off, but like, it's a challenge. So for me, you know, that is a challenge. I don't have to be perfect at it. I'm not going to be the best one anywhere. It's just for mm-hmm. the joy of it. I tried yes. um, zip lining a few years ago. I have vertigo, so it was a big deal for me to do it. Yeah. Freaking love that too. Like <laughs> we get older and we stop doing things for the joy of it. We think everything we do has to be about achievement. And that's a lie. Mm-hmm. It can just be for the fun of it. I guess all those crafting people yes. know that, right? Like, what do you do with all those crafts? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But like, <laughs> it makes them happy. <laughs> I try to learn how to um, crochet. I did not. Yeah. And I made two little squids. They're on my desk. That was like at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. My, my mother was like, there's no way you'll be able to make that. I was like, oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> so it's just that if you like coloring, like those coloring books, like it's the thing that makes you feel good again. Mm-hmm. Without yes. a substance, I should probably like dot, 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 you know, mm-hmm. dot, dot, no drugs and alcohol involved, <laughs> dot, dot. I know there's, they're saying that, uh, through COVID, the, uh, alcohol consumption has gone up as well as experimentation of drugs. So. <laughs> yeah. So like I see dead people. So drugs are just not a thing for me. Like, I'm like, if I see this mm-hmm. shit, and I see interventional beings and I could connect with, like, what am I going to see if I do a drug that's supposed to open you up? Lord knows. No, I'm not interested in that at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I have uh, quite the vivid imagination. So I don't, I don't know that that would be a good experience for me. <laughs> <laughs> all these people are, are like, all these other healers, they're like, no, really, you have to do plant medicine. I'm like, really? I do not. I don't think I trust you with it. <laughs> I don't think you know how to set up a boundary. If I know how to do energetic boundaries better than you and you're letting all this shit Mm -hmm. in, that means you're letting dark energy in. No, thank you. No, 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 no. That's true. That's when I, along with the positive, you can pull the negative. (laughs) That's a good point. You don't know how to filter. You're screwed. It's not good. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard of healers who incorporate, you know, um, drugs or herbs that mm-hmm. will open you up to have a deeper or more intense experience. But I think anyone exploring that should definitely trust, like really trust the person that they're with and, and, you know, be in a safe environment because also whatever you have that's going on up here Ooh. that is hiding could make an appearance and it can be a negative uh, interaction. That, could. So- that shit is common. It's coming out. No, I actually have friends who are studying plant medicine and I, I really like them and I believe that they have a good vibration for it and they have like this connection to it. So more power mm-hmm. to you. It's just not something at the moment. See, I can say never say never. Every time I have, I've done that, right? I'm like, I would yeah. never be that person, Psh, been that person, right? So I made some doozies <laughs> of mistakes. That's okay. It's all, it's all good. Um, but it's just not quite appealing to me to surrender mm-hmm. control over my wits mm-hmm. and my body. Like throwing yes. up, really, is not something I want to purposefully do. <laughs> Let's take this. We've all been there. And then you'll puke. You'll just keep puking. And then you might go out every end. And it's okay. It's part of the experience. <laughs> no, thanks. I'll skip that one. No, I remember. It's not like eating know, cookie with red wine. No, it's not the same thing. <laughs> no, I think, and and you know, really, and that's your point of now that we're older, we don't do things for the fun of it. We do things, you know, for achievement. I think too, even even like our passions, you know, for a lot of us have changed, you know, as we've gotten older. But also as we've gotten older, there's the mortality, right? We're more aware of our mortality. So some things that we might have done before, we no longer pursue. Like, for example, I'm not out here climbing trees and, <laughs> and 
and rock climbing, you know, as carelessly as I used to in my youth. Oh, I think you should go back on the mountain. Rock climbing is cool. I've only done it inside. I think that's mm-hmm. fun. Motorcycles, you know, I'm not into being street meat, so that's not really my thing. Yeah, but fun. I think even fun is hard because, you know, you and I are contacting and reaching people through social media, right? Like we're working Mm -hmm. with intention to find people who our message will speak with. So sometimes you're like, oh my God, how come no one saw that video? I was like, think that one was great or no one liked this or did that. So like separating that as well is super tricky. I make people Mm -hmm. crazy. So we're recording this on a Sunday for everyone who doesn't know, which you probably won't because it won't come out on Sunday, but (laughs) I unplug my phone. Like I leave it in nowhere near me in the evening, Mm -hmm. starting pretty early. And people are like, well, why don't you respond? And I find the first half hour, I'm kind of itchy, right? I'm so used to scrolling or checking Mm -hmm. in on what the hell am I checking in on? Like, I don't even know, but like suddenly like I'm curious, like what's going on. Um, And after a half hour, I'm relieved, right? I'm relieved that this other thing isn't pulling me away for nothing. So the addictive quality Mm -hmm. of the phone. Yeah. So I'll put my phone away around eight o'clock at night, if not earlier on a Sunday for Mm -hmm. sure. And then I keep trying not to look at my phone before my daughter leaves for school. It's hard. That one's hard. I fail often, but most of the time I don't like, I'm like, there's really, you know, do you need to hear from me before eight 30 in the morning? (laughs) Nah, I don't really think you do. I mean, well, there's a duality here too, though, because we're not just like browsing social media for our own interests. It's also how we run our business or one of the main points of contact. So when you are a CEO and the employee and the marketer and everything, basically, you have to be on top of it or you feel the need that you have to be like monitoring your baby 365, 24 hours a day. It's so true. My husband and I are pretty good at calling each other out on that. He's like, take a breath, take a breath. You can't do it all. Especially like when I was launching my book during COVID. Cause you know, that's mm-hmm. when you should launch a book. And it's like, there's no events. I can't go places. It's not like I can have a signing or do anything like that. So it's like into the world, two years of work into mm-hmm. the world. I have no control. <laughs> like that doesn't really sit well with me. So, right. Like I am, that's what I'm saying. Like we're, we're more than one thing. I can be totally mm-hmm. like understand that. And then the other part of me is like, well, should I reach out to so-and-so? Should I, did I reach out to so Did I, have I done everything I can? And then I have to make sure I try to stick to a work week. I think so many people during the pandemic are working from home. So when do you turn it mm-hmm. off? Yes. You talked about um, that word balance, mm. and and lately I have been thinking about that word a lot myself, and and thinking about whether there actually is truth in being able to balance work and personal life. So what I'm leaning towards more is sustainability. I feel like ooh, the, that's a good word. I steal balance. it. Gonna steal yeah, it, please. I'm, go gonna, I'm gonna be like Evelyn did said this. Um, she's. <laughs> She's the woman who's, I also like to give credit where I get things from because people mm-hmm. don't steal other people's work. Give credit. It makes you yes. look But mm-hmm. I like that. Sustainability. Yeah. Cause I feel like the work-life balance is, is a myth. There, there isn't a real balance. There's always one thing that's going to weigh more than the other. And so really it's how do you sustain and manage all the things versus trying to keep them equally balanced. I think I might have to write that word down. Sustain. <laughs> I have to think about it. Right? Because I told you I was looking for a different word. It's a routine. Mm-hmm. Routines get boring. So, yeah. It's a really, this is the what I'm noodling as well. Because people are like, when you're recording your audio book, I was like, oh yeah, with all the time I have right now. And <laughs> because it's also my, I have, first of all, I have to hear my own voice for as long as it's edited. That's really hard for me. So your voice sounds awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> This is why I like you. So audiobook and then get it out and get it approved and then distribution, like all of that is so much more work than people like really know, right? It's like all those Mm -hmm. overnight successes that took 10 years to get there, right? You know, there's so much work that you don't know. Now, see, I got off my point and I was like, I had a point. Sustainability. Sustainability. (laughs) See, I can't. 
Oh yeah. When are you going to do your book? Why aren't you writing your next one yet? I was like, oh my God, I just, I just, this, this <laughs> just, we just get this one out. <laughs> I actually enjoyed feeling pretty good because I write fiction as well. So my mm-hmm. agent, my literary agent is like, I'm waiting for your next book. And I was like, my eyes are big and TikToking. if you are <laughs> unable to see what it's doing. And I'm like, I don't know, like, how do I go from marketing and nonfiction back to fiction? But mm-hmm. it's scratching. There's all these ideas scratching. So I know it's time to get introverted and moody because that's the space mm-hmm. I write from. I really was thinking about an essay just like right before we like called each other here. It was about mm-hmm. how we are defining ourselves and how language is becoming dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's limiting creative people, right? So there's hate speech, right? We're not down with that, right? I, I'm Jewish. People have said horrible things and whatever. Um, I have friends who are BIPOC. I have like, you know, everyone everywhere and everyone is experiencing hate right now. Mm-hmm. And how we're magnifying it bothers me because it makes, like if I want to write a character who's experiencing something, I, how dare you write it? You are a cis white woman living in the South, Mm -hmm. you're the enemy, right? But creativity is meant to open doors. It's meant to make people question. It's meant to make people like appreciate different perspectives. And Mm -hmm. I think if every word is horrible and it means that if I use this word, what's going on right now is you said this word, which means you are this, that, and the other thing. You were hateful, small-minded, prejudiced, and ignorant, and you had better educate yourself. And it's your problem to educate yourself. I don't know where you're educating yourself. If you're going to the wrong thing, then you're even more like, there's just all of that Mm -hmm. instead of an openness to be like, oh my God, there is hate going on in the world right now. There's some really bad shit. What we really need to do is focus on our humanity and Mm -hmm. appreciate cultural differences Yes. And leave space for them and stop trying to make, I can't experience if you, if you experience some sort of hate, racial, something, whatever, I can have empathy for you, which I would, and I'd be really fucking pissed off. Right. But like, I can do that, but I cannot feel it the way you do. And what Mm -hmm. I think is happening out there right now is that people want me to feel it and express it my empathy, my sympathy, and my understanding the way they would. Yeah. And and that's impossible because even, even for people who are of the same background, right, or same skin color or what have you, you're still going to experience things differently because you are unique individuals with unique experiences. And even if the experience is similar, the way that you process it and you feel about it can be different. So no one can ever fully understand another person's experience. Right. So, but that, I think that for me is like what I'm watching right now. Like my husband and I don't agree on like everything. We have different perspectives on some things, but like what I'm watching with what's happening with language and what stories can be told and who has to tell them and how they have to mm-hmm. be told. I don't know. Like I have friends who want to write sci-fi fantasy and they're being told, but you are this ethnicity and therefore you must write this sort of story. Well, that is just (laughs) dumb as shit too. So like I'm, I'm looking for, see, not balance. What are we looking Sustainability. I think Mm -hmm. we have to, it's supposed to be the age of Aquarius. We're supposed to see each other's humanity. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. really hoping this is the end of the darkness. I get calls from newspapers. I'm like on a list because I write, right? So I get these emails. If I, you saw what I see, what they're asking for, for stories and sources of mm-hmm. the bandwidth is this. Wow. And on one level, it's really good. People should know the shit that's going on. You should know that there's prejudice in the world a hundred percent. But, but there's, there's more than just this happening in the world this week. And mm-hmm. I think that for me, is as an older person, I'll call myself older, middle-aged woman. I'm like, I'm like, there's more, there's more than just that. And, and limiting how and what we can say, unless you are 
you look a certain way. Isn't that the opposite mm-hmm. of what we're trying to do? Yes, that is a great point. And I have this conversation with my girlfriends. Uh, Ooh, I want to know what you said. <laughs> Where we talk about these these boundaries, right? So the way that I perceive racism and equality and just cultural acceptance is by allowing others to partake, allowing others to edu- be educated, bringing them into the experience and sharing with them. But when you're when you're putting up these walls, these boundaries, saying you can't engage or you can't participate or you can't practice this because you're not of this descent, you're not of this culture, we're actually causing it to multiply, causing that feeling of, of this association of racial divide, of cultural divide, because we're, we're pushing people away instead of allowing them to come in, to learn, to be accepting. One thing that is always, you know, at the, at the forefront of my mind, because I see it so much as cultural appropriation, mm-hmm. right? Let's take a very simple scenario, hair. Mm-hmm. Looking oh, but hair at is me, a big he- deal. That's that you, this youth like, you can't wait. No, I'm going to have to go. No, no. So wait, so I would like everyone to know I have been taking African dance class for 20 years, right? Like, so it's a big part of my life. Um, and I love it. Like I, like that I can't do it during the pandemic is very sad. Um, Mm -hmm. for a while where I live, there was a black lives matter mural uptown. And we would meet and and dance on there. Am I the minority in the class? Yeah. Do I give up flying? No. And they're my Mm -hmm. people. And one of my closest friends I met because of that class. And the drumming and the everything, it means everything. I have a picture, which I'm not getting up to show you over there. (laughs) And it's me with my best friend, Zaria. And she they helped me do the head wrap. I was like, am I allowed to do the head wrap? They're like, Holly, shut the what do you come here right now? <laughs> right. Because at that, I was like, I might be dancing with you for three years with this group. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, where's that line? Will that up- upset you? And they're like, no, like, sh- well, they won't be upset because they know else, you, right? right. They know you in that capacity. They know that you understand what is happening, what, what that practice is. And they're happy to see that you are trying to learn and engage in a cultural aspect. But somebody who doesn't know you, who sees that, is going to form an opinion immediately. And they're going to assume what? The negative. And that's where the issue is. People are so quick to jump on this bandwagon of canceling people or making assumptions about who they are. Yeah. Without diving deep. And so going back to the thing about the hair, me, for example, I'm Dominican. I'm a Latin woman. My country was colonized by several people, right? I'm a mix of the indigenous Taino, Black, Spaniard, Mm -hmm. Caucasian, all of that. But when people look at me, they don't automatically think Black, but they also don't automatically think uh, the culture that I'm a part of. But if I were to rock braids, if somebody doesn't know me, They'd be like, why are you rocking braids? You're not black. And who are you to dictate what my ethnic background is? Who are you to dictate what my intent is in partaking in something like braiding my hair? So what I'm saying is when it comes to cultural appropriation, when it comes to cultural differences, we should instead be more accepting and ask questions before creating a bigger divide or alienating someone thinking that they're doing it with negative intent. I fully agree, but I think we're in the minority, but I I don't know if we are. I think that's kind of like the really interesting thing. I think when everything started with Black Lives Matter and my dance friends, we were doing it on Zoom and there were a lot of conversations after class and I just shut the fuck up, (laughs) right? Like Because I might know you and I might love you and you're my friend, but... I I don't know your experience and it isn't my place to speak up. I'm here for you, right? I'm Mm -hmm. here for you and I am supporting you and I'm listening and like, like figuring out what can I do? When do I step up? How do I step up? Right. How does all of that work? And, um, and then my friend Nishay was like, Holly. I was like, yep. She's like, I forget you're not black. I'm like, I was really very, I was like, (laughs) that made me feel good because 
they know where my heart is, but you're right. If you don't know me, you don't know Mm -hmm. that we talk about what each dance means and where does it come Mm -hmm. from and the importance of it or that it fills my soul with joy. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter who I am or what I look like to love something. So I think the whole, a cultural appropriation is like, is really interesting to watch. So, okay. Omeka, can we talk about the bachelor for just one sec? I've been dying to talk to someone. about. <laughs> yeah. I watched that man who doesn't close his eyes. I won't even say his name. Right. And I watched him fall in love with a young girl when he had a woman, right? He had several mm-hmm. women to choose from and he chose the young girl. I'm not disparaging her. I'm just saying at 24, you're still a girl. You're just figuring out who you are. You just finished school. So for me, because of social media, anything said or done a few years ago that you might know better now is easily found, right? Mm -hmm. So my problem was not that he broke up with her because she didn't understand the whole whole slavery aspect of antebellum, right? That's not, Mm -hmm. I want to take that off the table, everyone. Don't get mad. My problem was this. He did exactly what I don't like. She has, he said, she has to educate. She has a long way to go. I have a lot to process. She will never know what it feels like to be a black man. No shit, Sherlock. She won't, but she Mm -hmm. loved you. And she was willing to go through every fire hoop with you. Right. And you could have walked away, but for your answer to be until you know what it's like to be me, that's an impossibility. You can just say Mm -hmm. that was unforgivable for me. I appreciate that you're growing, but for me, that was a Mm non-negotiable that you didn't understand that. And I'm glad you will moving forward. Yeah. I think people need to, in that, that example right there is just like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> even, even a black woman will never know the experience of a black man. So for you to, to use that as a reasoning to justify something else, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and again, creating a divide, we're bringing up these excuses and instead of bringing us together, they're further creating distance. My whole point is just allow others a seat at the table, allow them to have the ability to talk about it, to offer their opinion, and then you in turn educate and inform. Everyone should have a seat at the table to have this conversation. Yeah, I feel like the whole who's in charge of educating is a hot button, right? So a lot of my friends are like, it's not up to me to teach you X, Y, and Z. Um, like starting five years ago, anti-Semitism spiked like a motherfucker, right? It just, I can curse on your show cause I am. Haha. <laughs> so it really <laughs> spiked and me and some of my friends, I was like, you know, we're the canary in the coal mine. We're the canary in the coal mine, right? So, so I'm letting you know, the world is getting troubled and you're just like, no, because I've always felt as a Jewish person that we are the acceptable it's acceptable to not like us because like accountants are so scary. It's like what I always think. I'm like, there's not many of us in the world. You know, Israel is a super tiny country. It's been attacked multiple times and we have been expelled from, from countries, not allowed to live in them for Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of years. We've not been allowed to be in specific businesses, which part of the whole money lending dirty Jew thing came from, we weren't allowed to have any other business. So, They did the only thing they could to survive. I mean, there's like stories behind it, right? Like the Holocaust happened because they took old prejudice and repackaged them for the time there, which is kind of what I feel like is happening here in the world for everybody. All of these ridiculous fears, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it starts with you. What are you so afraid of? What is so threatening? What are you, what are you? you not enough of that that is happening in the world because I feel like it's a projection Mm -hmm. of fear onto other people. Yes. And as a healer, I have no idea how to approach that. 
globally. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how this girl here globally can <laughs> change because I would kumbaya that as much as I could like, because it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. What I used to love about traveling was I would learn a new language. I'd find out mm-hmm. about cultures I didn't know or understand and come back with like this whole other appreciation. So like, I'm mm-hmm. honestly like even worried, like, oh my God, I'm speaking honestly. What's going to happen? People are going to go nuts. Mm-hmm. You can't control other people. All you can do is control yourself and how you uh, behave and how you feel about certain things. Um, when it comes to education, it's a two-pronged approach here, right? Obviously, you yourself need to educate yourself and, and seek at outlets that will elevate your knowledge. But then the individual, like, you know, me as somebody of Latin descent, I have friends across, you know, different ethnic groups and, and diverse lines so you can tell when somebody is seeking to know more, is seeking to partake, right? The, the fact or the act of getting to know you as a person, there's going to be curiosity. There's going to be questions there. Maybe there's activities like your dance, the African dance, right, where people are coming together. Those are moments. And again, as you continue to learn about somebody where you can share and educate because there is a natural curiosity there. So for somebody to say, it's not my job to educate you. No, it's not your job. But if you see that somebody has an interest, it is your responsibility to help them and educate them. Yeah. So we're on the same page. Yeah. Like I, I like I totally like when I was watching that. I was like, this is what I thought when I was looking at that man. He is so in his head that his head, like energetically, I'm going to go woo woo. So as an intuitive <laughs> healer. I look at him and I see his heart and his head are not connected, that his fear of becoming or being anything like his father who ran, he is running, right? Like Mm -hmm. a situation was super uncomfortable, mad, angry, sad. I think he was pretty devastated. I don't, I don't even understand the whole bachelor process. It's not anything that I would do, (laughs) but you know, for saying that he fell in love with this, this, this girl, this young woman, and all of that came up and, and all he kept saying, which is why he didn't propose. I don't want to do, I don't want to be, I don't want to be. He's so worried about what he doesn't want to be that I don't think he has any idea who, of who he is. Mm-hmm. Like for me watching him, you're like, okay, so now, you know, that line is, I think I prefer being with a person of color, perhaps. BIPOC. I may, mm-hmm. I, maybe I want to be with a black woman because she will understand me. And now I've learned that about myself and I'm going to own it. It's okay mm-hmm. to own that part, right? Like it's, we have similar traditions or values or, or whatever. Right. But I just was watching him and I was like, my heart broke for everyone. I thought Emmanuel, what's his name? I, the guy who took over for Chris Harrison. I thought he does difficult conversations with a black man. I loved listening to him, right? Like it was like, Mm -hmm. I thought he was articulate, insightful, and he was really trying to help bridge, but was just so much of an open wound between the both of them. Right. So Mm -hmm. like as a healer, I was like, oh, he's really trying, but Matt is so in his head about what's right and wrong that he's not connecting with his heart. And that's his process. I'm not judging all of that, but just watching it, and watching him blink like so much and be disassociated from where he was and what he was doing and what he's probably contractually obligated to do. I mean, there's a bajillion things mm-hmm. we probably don't know about what's going on, but he doesn't want to be a runner. And I feel like he's he's got some of the behavior without him being aware of it. Right. And that's what happens a lot. And, and you know, us as coaches, we see this because we're always in mesh and helping individuals, you know, cross certain boundaries or go from point A to point B. And so even this, it's a show that we're watching on TV, but you can make an assessment about how someone's moving and what could potentially be impacting uh, their actions. In the case here with, with The Bachelor, you're seeing all these things present. It's your gift, you know, as a coach, those skills that you use on the regular that are coming up and you're like, you know, I see what you're doing there or I see what might be an issue for you. And this is how I could work on this, but tying this all back because Holly and I can talk. Okay. We're going we oh to talk like, about oh, several things. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously we don't want to, you know, take up too much of her time or, you know, you guys out there who are listening or watching might be suffering <laughs> a little bit of tension deficit disorder, maybe. 
<laughs> Wait, I have to say this one thing to that girl, Rachel, because I want to tie it back into her too. She was giving <laughs> way more, right? She wasn't mm-hmm. being met. So she, even though he's rejected her, she is still completely open in trying to please her who she loves. Please, you mm-hmm. can't love someone enough, enough to make them love you back. Yes. And, but I think that's, you know, something that we do as women too, right? We tend to go all in, try to make things work up until the very moment where it's just not going to happen. And we're just, I think, I don't know if it's genetic or if it's just our upbringing or the societal norms, we are caregivers, right? We just are emotional creatures who want the best for others, who care for others to the point where it can be a detriment to us. And in that situation, there was no balance there, no sustainability when it came to the, the emotion and feeling. And so even though she was trying, it's just like, come on, babe, it's it's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) So Holly, let's talk about your services. We talked about your book, Mm -hmm. which is a memoir slash, uh, workbook. Yeah. It's like a woo-woo self-help. It's like an intuitive healing in a book self-help, self-empowerment. Awesome. I love that. I actually have to go and check it out myself. Um, Ooh, it's free on Kindle Unlimited. You can't lose. You can't lose. Oh, hey. So then right after this, I'm going to go and uh, get yeah. that for myself so I can go through that, share that with you know my audience as well. We'll put uh, all the links, details to contact Holly, learn all about her and the podcast details, YouTube details as usual. But Holly, apart from the book that you have out there, which is you know self-help, guide slash memoir. Um, what else do you offer? Are there any programs you have in place? Any new offerings? You know, right now I don't, I'm just really focused on, um, I, I think my sweet spot with helping people is through transitions, right? Is to overcome a past pain or a story that you're feeding yourself that's limiting your life. So if you know something isn't working, but you can't name it because I'm an intuitive and I have I can see, hear, and feel things, taste things. I'm an empath. Like I have all of those abilities. When you sit in front of me, I'll get information that even if you're not clear, I can help guide you through. And I am the best version of me in the room. I'm super sweet. I promise. I'm direct, but super sweet. <laughs> and um, and so like yes. I help people through career transitions, relationship transitions, or even managing um, a lot of family dynamics just to get to a place where you are empowered and you have your boundaries and you know what your yes is and what your no is. I think that is just Mm -hmm. a huge gift to give to yourself. Agreed. So you guys heard it here. Holly shared with us a couple of tidbits on her experience. We talked about her self-help guided book and the services that she offers. So we're going to, again, put all the details to get in touch with her, follow her on Instagram, follow her via the various outlets, and keep track of her journey because you never know when you might need her help. So before I let you go, any last tidbits you want to share with the audience? My favorite Holly's healing tip. It sums me up. You ready? Mm -hmm. Life's too short to wear an uncomfortable bra or be in an uncomfortable relationship. That is true. Ladies, we all know about that. <laughs> that See, is you got to lighten up quote. sometimes too. That was a lot of very serious <laughs> stuff, but you got to have a sense of humor about life. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Holly, this was such a fun uh, interaction. Again, love your energy guys. If you're listening, you know, via podcast provider, I recommend you go to YouTube and check out the accompanying visuals. <laughs> She's making hearts right now. <laughs> Again, thank you, Holly, for your time. Thank you for sharing your experience, for your bravery with some of the harder topics. Really appreciate it. it was no, you're fun. the best, Evelyn. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. We're just going to just a thank you train back and forth. <laughs> All right, guys, as I always say, preparation, accountability, execution, and resolve are keys to your success. Until next time.
So as you know by now, we're all about informing and empowering women. Well, now there's the addition of the She Is Fab shop where there is empowered fashion, printables, journals, mugs, and face masks. Check it out at www.sheisfab.net. That way you can purchase something for the lady, woman, or girl in your life. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 